The last session is going to be on encouraged acts during Ramadan. So there's certain acts that are masnoon. Masnoon means that are sunnah from the Prophet's life. Some that are mustahab that are recommended based off of the Prophet's life and the life of the Sahaba. And I'm going to cover 10 of these. Uh, you can jot these down if you'd like. But try to pay attention and pay heed because it's not just necessarily about... Uh, the notes are available, you can get the slides later if you need to, inshallah. Uh, but these are 10 things that we should keep in mind when it uh, comes to things that we should focus on during the month of Ramadan. So we'll start inshallah with the first one is suhoor. Suhoor. Um, suhoor is the pre-dawn meal that every uh, one who's fasting should partake of. It's not a requirement, it's not fub. But it's the pre-dawn meal that a person uh, partakes of uh, in order to show their weakness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu has narrated about suhoor in multiple narrations. There are 17 different sahaba, 17 different sahaba that narrate about suhoor. So you can you can see how important it must be. The Prophet sallallahu said in the hadith is narrated in Bukhari Muslim, that you should fast. Because in the fast, sorry, you should uh, you should uh, partake of suhoor. Because in suhoor, there is barakah, there is blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in that meal, even if it's just a few bites or a sip of water, there's barakah, which is blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is placed in it simply because of the timing in which you're, you're having it. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His angels... Um, pray upon the people that uh, partake of suhoor, mutasahirin. Right? We've heard of the ayah in Allah malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi in the Quran, right? This is a verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels uh, send peace in, uh, upon the people who partake of the suhoor. So it's a very important meal. Now, many of us think of the suhoor as optional, and it is optional, but we should think about it as an opportunity for us to show our weakness to Allah. You know, rather than having the meal, a heavy meal at midnight and then just kind of knocking out for the night and saying, you know what, I don't really need it, I'll be fine, why should I wake up? We should wake up and show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Ya Allah, I'm so weak, I'm so weak, I'm not showing you my strength, I'm showing you my weakness, that I even need to eat until the last moments. Uh, so we should try to have our sahur at least until, you know, a few minutes before the time that Musa had mentioned. So, uh, partake of the sahur. But from a practical standpoint, my recommendation would be to not overeat. In sahur, the reason is because the because if you overeat, you will feel hungry later. You will it'll it is more likely that you will feel hungry. You know, it's a little counterintuitive. But if you overeat at sahur time, you'll feel more hungry later in the day, if, or especially in the morning. You'll wake up if you take a nap. You wake up at nine or ten o'clock. You'll feel very hungry. If you keep it light, then you'll be able to manage the rest of the day without any problem. The sahur of the Prophet them, dates and water, just dates and water. So you can do that as well, but you should definitely try to wake up. You know, even if you're really tired, you have work, you have school in the morning, and you, you feel like it'd be better for you to just sleep right through and wake up and pray Fajr, at least wake up, you know, keep a bottle of water next to your bed, take a few sips of water, and then go to sleep. If, if that's, you know, what you're only able to do. So don't be a tough guy. Eat sahur, show your weakness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, number two is the iftah. This is unique also to the people that are fasting. Iftar is a, is a, is a part of Ramadan that's um, very important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that you should keep your fast until the night time. There's a hadith in the book of Imam Tirmidhi, Sahil radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates, and this is the hadith that I mentioned earlier, that a community will always remain on the side of good or virtue as long as they rush toward the iftar. So we should hasten toward the iftar. Don't think that, you know what, I've already fasted 17 hours, what's another 30 minutes, no big deal, I'm just going to wait it out, 
for whatever reason, maybe you want to show your strength to someone or even to yourself or to Allah, na'udhu we are weak. So people should hasten toward the iftar because it's a sign of showing weakness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we're not showing, we're not, that doesn't mean that when the food is out and time comes in, everyone rushes on top of the food and you know, takes it down as quickly as possible. But you are, you are not spending excessive time after the maghrib time comes in. You're not delaying your iftar. The time comes in and you're immediately eating. Why? Because you want to show that, we, that the whole purpose of this Ramadan, uh, or one of the main purposes of this Ramadan, is to show Allah Ta'ala that we are weak. We're not trying to show Him our strength. We're trying to show Him how dependent we are on Him. The attitude is that we are dependent on Him. We're not independent. So by, doing, so by delaying our suhoor and eating our iftar quickly, then that's, a, uh, th- then that's a way that we can show our weakness. The other thing to remember about iftar is that the time for iftar is very special. It's very special. The few minutes that lead up to iftar are very special. The Prophet said in the hadith, that the dua, the supplication made at the time of iftar is accepted. Is accepted. So this is the time we should be making abundant supplication. We put in the work during the day, right? And, and we put in that work of fasting for Allah. And right before we're going to break our fast, we should ask for the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So that's a very special time. Now many of us are very busy at that time preparing the iftar. You know, we're too busy frying something in the kitchen, we're mixing a, a, a certain type of drink, you know, we're trying to put the spread together, um, and, and then maghrib time comes in, and then we'll rush and we'll start eating, and we'll completely uh, be heedless of that time. But what we should, practically speaking, what we should do is prepare the iftar food, this is really in particular applies for the women, but also the men, is prepare the food ahead of time. Maybe 10 minutes before maghrib time, have everything ready, you know, uh, all the food prepared, the drinks prepared. If the men are responsible for this, then the men should be doing this. And then the 10 minutes before Maghrib, sit down, you know, facing the Qibla, and just beg from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever you need. Every day you'll have a new dua accepted. So think of 30 different things that you absolutely need in your life. You know, forgiveness, mercy, health, whatever it might be. You know, barakah in your wealth. And make this dua. Every day you should make a different dua before Maghrib prayer. Spend time. Cry to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ask Him to reward you. You know, mention that you fasted for His sake. You tried to mimic the Prophet You're weak, you're you know, feeble, you're dependent on Him. Ya Allah, please you know, accept this from me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ready to accept. This is the month of dua. Ramadan is the month of dua. So, don't, so make sure you use the time before iftar wisely. Now what some people do is because they're so busy preparing the food, the adhan for maghrib goes off, or the, the alarm on their phone goes off for maghrib, and they'll quickly sit on the table or sit on the ground, and then they'll begin making dua at that time, and then they'll have a date. With the date in their hand, they'll make dua. But the time for maghrib's already come in. That's not the time to be making dua. That's the time for you to show your weakness and break your fast. So make dua before the adhan of maghrib. It's a very special time. Inshallah, your dua will be accepted. That's number two. The third is to encourage act in Ramadan is to enable others toward Ramadan, uh, toward iftah. Help others, other people break their fast. This is very highly regarded. In the hadith that we had mentioned earlier by Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, where he had gathered the Prophet, the Prophet had gathered the Sahaba together, the Prophet emphasizes the reward of the fasting person who breaks someone else's fast. Or no, the reward of a person who breaks the fast of another person at the time of fitr is as if they also fasted that day. So if I'm fasting and I break your fast at the time of iftar, I get the reward of your entire fast as well. If you break the fast of 60 people, then all 60 people's uh, reward of fasting will also go into your account and it won't decrease in their account whatsoever. This in particular applies not to feeding people or breaking the thought of people that are wealthy and that are your friends and family, right? There's, there's benefit in that. But the intent behind this is to give iftar to people that are less fortunate than us. 
there are people in this city, in, in the city especially, that don't have the time for iftar comes. Muslims in this city, that when the time for iftar comes, they don't even have the food to break their iftar. And we, mashallah, have you know a lot of, uh, we have plenty, we have enough food for three people, you know, each of us. So we should take advantage of this. There's tremendous reward in feeding other people, and there's especially reward in feeding other believers that are fasting, especially in the month of Ramadan. So practically speaking, you know, instead of you know having you know by invite only you know iftar you know parties and things like that, sponsor an iftar, whether it be in the masjid. You know, a lot of masjids here uh, in other masajid and other communities, and even in the city, they have a sponsorship program that you sponsor a dinner, and whoever comes for iftar, you know. They, they need they need the iftar. Maybe they're less fortunate. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're fortunate. They're coming from Maghrib. But everybody then benefits. It's not a by invite only. You know the who's who of the city comes to your party. That's for other occasions. This is for the community and for bringing the community together and helping those that need iftar. So that's something you can do. If you can't do it here, then find a, a community that's less fortunate or find a group of people that are less fortunate and, and give them uh, iftar, and you'll inshallah get the reward of their fast. That's number three. The fourth is to recite Qur'an abundantly. This is a highly encouraged act in the month of Ramadan. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ In fact, this is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed. So we should recite the Qur'an excessively, abundantly, you know, as much as we can. Um, we should be in the gatherings where the Qur'an is being recited. So let's say that, you know, the Taraweeh prayer is at night, or the Hajj prayer is going on, and we are too tired and we're unable to actually participate in the prayer. Then that's fine. Sit in the back, relax, but just listen to the Qur'an and absorb it. This is the month of the Qur'an, and we should spend as much time as we can reciting the Qur'an. This isn't the month to necessarily learn you know, or read the translation. This is just abundant recitation, recitation, recitation of the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ in Ramadan would recite the Qur'an abundantly, abundantly. So reciting the Qur'an is highly encouraged. Um, many of us, we don't have a connection with the Qur'an. This is just the reality. Our goal is to recite it every day. We recite it once a week or once a month. This is our opportunity to mold our schedules such that we then become connected with the Qur'an once and for all. The fifth is to give abundant sadaqah, abundant charity during the month of Ramadan. This is the month of giving, right? You know, we have the season of giving. This is, this is our season of giving. This is when we give abundantly. It comes, it comes about the Prophet that He was the most generous individual. Uh, in Ramadan, he was even more generous than he normally was. So any opportunity we get, we should give. Many masajid open up their doors for fundraising organizations for, for various causes. And rather than you know, uh, grunting over why are they here, why did they let them come, why is this person taking so much time, be thankful that Allah Ta'ala gave you an opportunity. Be very thankful. And every opportunity in Ramadan that you get to give, give something. Even if it's a dollar. Even if it's a dollar, it'll go a long way. So at least in the eyes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So anyone, any, anyone that's seeking money, give them at least something, a quarter if you can't afford a dollar, right? Whatever we're able to do, but give abundant sadaqah. This is in addition to the sadaqah al-fitr that was covered in the last session. So Ramadan is a month of giving. We should give abundantly. Seek opportunities, reward will be multiplied hundreds of times over, and we'll only see its fruits in the hereafter. Okay, that's number five. The sixth is the taraweeh prayer. This is a prayer that's unique to Ramadan. You don't get it any other time of year. It's very special. The taraweeh prayer is prayed after the Isha prayer. It's performed in congregation based off of the sunnah of the, of the, of the sahaba, of the Prophet wasallam. But it's not required that you pray it in congregation. But you should aim, the goal of taraweeh prayer is to pray 20 rak'ah. It's a sunnah mu'akkadah. It's an emphasized sunnah. It's not nafil, it's, uh, at least according to the Hanafi school, it's an emphasized sunnah mu'akkadah. So you have to pray all 20 rak'ah, you should make that your goal 
If you aren't able to reach that goal, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, inshallah, He'll overlook it. But don't make the goal something less than that. Make the goal 20, and maybe some days you'll get 16, some days you'll get 12, some days you'll get 2. Make the goal 20 rakah and do your best to try to perform it. Important to remember that the taraweeh prayer is not just for men. It's not just for men. The sunnah mu'akkada, the emphasized sunnah, which means it cannot be left, right? The emphasis is for both men and women. Both men and women. The congregation isn't the requirement, right? It's the, it's the 20 rak'ah, but it applies for both men and women. So, uh, so women should especially take heed of it, that they aren't neglectful of the taraweeh prayer. Now, you don't have to recite the whole Qur'an in taraweeh prayer. You could recite you know, the bare minimum ayat that you have to do, but, but, you ha- but it has to be done every single night, um, inshallah. Um, so that's the, that's the taraweeh prayer, that's number six. Number seven is the tahajjud prayer. The Hajjid prayer is recommended all year long, of course, but uh, in Ramadan, uh, it's, uh, because it's, most of us are already up at the Suhoor time anyway, we should try to pray the Hajjid prayer. The Hajjid is the prayer that's prayed in the last one-third or one-sixth of the night. It's very special. This is the time where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heavens, and He's asking the believers, who wants my mercy, who wants my forgiveness? All of us should be up at that time praying. Now, from a practical, for each of these, I'll try to have something that's practical so that you can probably apply it. I would say everybody in this gathering should aim to perform two rak'ah of the hajjud every single time. Every morning, two rak'ah. That's all I'm saying, two rak'ah. It might seem like it's very little, it might seem like it's nothing, but believe me, on the day of judgment, or when, when you see that what's brought forth, you'll, you'll see what's going to come your way. And that the hajjud prayer could be our protection from the fire of hell. So make it a goal, two rak'ah of the hajjud, at least every single, uh, every morning. It could be prayed as a nafil intention. You'll pray at the time before the, uh, the fajr prayer. So ideally what you can do is have your suhoor a little bit early, pray your tahajjud, and then wait for the fajr adhan. You, you can do it the other way. You can pray tahajjud and then have suhoor and then do fajr. But pray at least two rak'ah um, because it'll be very worthwhile. Number eight is the i'tikaf. I'tikaf. I'tikaf is the... Um, the, the attachment to the masjid during the last 10 days of Ramadan. It comes from the verb, akafa ya'kufu, which means to stick to something, right? This is the eighth verb form. This means to attach yourself to the masjid. The Prophet ﷺ was very particular about this. He was very particular about remaining in the masjid consecutively for the last 10 days of Ramadan. From a legal standpoint, this is sunnah mu'akkada al kifayah. This is an emphasized sunnah for the entire community. One person has to do it. It's a requirement that at least one person from within the community steps forward and commits themselves to remaining in the masjid for the last 10 days. If one person does it, the entire community is uplifted from that responsibility. If no one does it in that masjid, meaning the masjid meaning a place where five times prayer is held and where the Jum'ah prayer is held. If no one from the community does it, then the entire community will have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at least one person should do it. And mashallah, i'tikaf has kind of regained its... Um, uh, it's kind of bouncing back, you know, it's the, it's the in thing to do. So it's not really difficult to get one person anymore. The question now isn't about, are we going to have somebody in the community, at least in these communities. The question now is, am I going to be that person that's going to do i'tikaf? The Prophet was so particular about i'tikaf that the one year that he was sick and unable to perform i'tikaf, what did he do the next year? He did 20 days, ishreen, it comes in the hadith. He spent 20 days in i'tikaf the following year because he felt like he had missed something. This is very special. Personally, I've witnessed many, many people who had ruined their lives, completely turned their lives around 180 degrees during the last 10 days of Ramadan because of Iratikah. I mean, many people. So if you fit that you know, sort of criteria, where you are looking to make a change in your life, you're looking to finally become connected to your Creator and finally become 
connected to the Prophet then at some point in your life, try to make it this year if you have time, at some point in your life, spend 10 days in the masjid consecutively in the last 10 days of Ramadan. These last 10 days are so special, they're so special. In fact, you can think about it as the first 20 days of Ramadan are just preparation for the last 10 days of Ramadan. So, at, some, at least once in your life, try to do it. This isn't, I mean, you don't have to, right? As long as somebody from the community does it, that's fine. But this isn't a matter of, do I have to do this or not? We're not here to, to learn about, what do I have to do? That's not the attitude of someone who's trying to get an A in a class. If you're trying to get a D or a C, then fine, ask, what do you have to do in Ramadan? This is about all of us who are trying to get an A plus when it comes to the class of becoming connected to Allah. I'tikaf is that way by which we can achieve it. All of us should make that uh, a, a, um, a goal in our life. I'tikaf begins on, the, on Maghrib of the 21st. Uh, Maghrib of the 21st. It's the 20th day, 21st evening. From that Maghrib, you have to be in the masjid. For the, from the time of Maghrib until Maghrib of the 29th or 30th night of Ramadan, whenever that ends. And you commit yourself. There's the sunnah form of i'tikaf, and that's what I've just been describing. If you aren't able to commit yourself to 10 days, then do a partial i'tikaf, you know, for a day, a few hours. When you walk into the masjid, make your intention of i'tikaf, this comes under nafil. Or do a weekend. Whatever you can do during the last 10 days, attach yourself to the masjid. If it's possible, if you have to go to work or school, go to work or school, come back, spend from Maghrib until Fajr in the masjid, go home quickly, change shower, go to work, and then come back straight to the masjid afterward. It'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll pay dividends, inshallah. Um, number nine is to seek Laylatul Qadr. Seek Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr is a very special night, the night of power, and we know from the Quran, it's better than Khayrun min al shahr, better than a thousand months Better than a thousand months, not equal to a thousand months. Right? Some people say, oh, it's, I just prayed equivalent to 83 some odd years. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I, don't need, I could be five million, I don't know. Is it better than a thousand months? Uh, is that one night of Qadr? So seek it. The Prophet said it's more, I mean, we know from the hadith of the Prophet it's most likely in the last 10 days of Ramadan and most likely in the odd nights of the last 10, 10 nights of Ramadan. So we should seek out Laylatul Qadr. It's a very special night. And uh, that's another night that will potentially you know, testify for us on the Day of Judgment. If you spend those nights in the Masjid Ni'atikah, the chances are that you will, chances are that you will catch Laylatul Qadr. The most important thing to remember about how to catch Laylatul Qadr is to pray the Fajr and uh, the Isha and Fajr prayers in the Masjid in the last 10 nights. Don't miss it. Why? The Prophet said in a hadith, Man qama, uh, um, uh, من صلى العشاء في جماعة فكأنما قام نصف الليل ومن صلى الصبح في جماعة فكأنما صلى الليل كله. If you pray the 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 Isha prayer, you're praying half the night. If you in congregation, you, it's as if you're praying half the night. If you pray the Fajr prayer in congregation, it's as if you're praying half the night. So if you pray the Fajr and Isha prayer in congregation, it's as if you've been in worship the entire night. Don't miss it in these last ten nights because you'll catch the Qadr with that. The last thing, the tenth thing, is sadaqatul fitr, which was already mentioned, which was already uh, mentioned in the last session. So these are the ten highly encouraged acts. 